You are listening to Fika with Vicky on United Public Radio, 107.7 and 105.3 from New Orleans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fika. Our guest today is author Daniela Samina. Daniela grew up in Romania, apprenticing with her grandmother as a fairy seer and a medicine woman, and became a medicine woman and fairy witch herself. We'll be discussing her experiences through her works, A Fairy Path, the memoir of a young fairy seer in training, that's coming out on January 1st, 19. 19, 2024, as well as Pagan Portals, where fairies meet parallels parallels between Irish and Romanian fairy traditions. But I have to admit that despite enjoying both of these books, A Fairy Path was my favorite, and you know how I love my Pagan Portals. So here's my review. A Fairy Path, Daniela Semina's, Semina's memoir reads like a fairy tale. There's a young girl choosing her path in life, a wise elder assisting her, and the need to keep her true self hidden from nefarious forces. You watch as this little Daniela wrestles with the big questions of life and are inspired by her tenacity in finding their answers. And finally, despite your age, you realize that you're still looking for answers to many of these questions yourself. With the addition of Daniela's little book of magic, full of spells and rituals learned as a child, you won't want to miss this one. And we seem to be missing Daniela at the end of that. So I'm just going to check my emails to see if something's happened. Um, and we'll just wait for her to, to come back again. So uh, we were on comments. How's everybody out there today? Okay, I can't, I don't know what, what we're doing. So we're just going to go on with this. I absolutely loved, on a more candid note, I absolutely loved A Fairy Path. It's me, it's not me. Because I'm hooked up with Ethernet. Oh, live radio. And we're back. Hi, Daniela. I wasn't sure if it was me or you, so we have... <laughs> excitement there okay. while I tried to figure it out. I think this is this is a an, a very interesting way to um, start a conversation about fairies and things that were written in conjunction with 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 fairies. Um, usually, um, I do not experience technical problems, but here we are, right at the time when you're mentioning the. Um, you know, my, my background and my grandmother and the way I, I grew up steeped into this tradition of folk medicine, 
And the moment you pronounce the fairy witch, bam, internet connection gone. I'm not sure whether on your side or my, my side, I'm not even wireless here. I was wired and that doesn't go down. <laughs> well, I was, I, I, listen, every time we come upon the topic of fairies or anything close to fairies, Mm -hmm. The weirdest stuff happens. So yes. this morning I was like, please don't. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm like offerings here. We're probably going to touch onto the aspect of offerings to fairies as it is acknowledged in folklore and modern practice. So yeah, here's the relevance and reason for doing it. Just had an example live. <laughs> So, yes, um, so the moral of this story for anyone who is not as brave as we apparently are is you don't mix live radio with fairies because every time if I'm, I'm talking to anybody uh, considering that subject, well, the audience, the people out there know that that happens. So I had just read your review um, and um, now you missed it. <laughs> I want to say Thank you. Thank you so much for writing this book, because I think it took a little bit of my heart with it. And um, welcome to Fika. Thank you so much for, for having me. I am thrilled to be here. As always, I am very happy. I mean, I find it both. A, it's, it's a privilege, you know, to be able to share something that is the crux of my my practice, the fairy beliefs, the traditions, the ones that I grew up with and the ones that I have learned along the way and integrated because now I am at this cultural um, crossroads. I don't really like the term melting pot, so I'd, I'd go with crucible. Um, <laughs> but this is where I am. I am in the United States, right? And this, this cultural crucible that... Um, so many spiritual traditions fuse into and um yeah that's that's where my my spiritual path um has has taken me um so yeah it, it is a privilege to talk about it and, and share because i believe i'm not the only one who functions at the intersection um multiple cultural threads intertwined so this probably going to be uh, helpful information useful information for um, our entire audience. Well, okay, I was going to start with a fairy path, but since you bring that up, we'll go with, um, okay, I had everything in my head and now it's just been wiped out. Um, the parallels where fairies meet okay mm -hmm. and you're and you're yes. meeting in that spot right now and where yes. fairies meet discusses the parallels between irish and romanian fairies um but at, oh go ahead so yeah i mean i was thinking of um a fairy path you know like the the book that you actually intended to start our discussion with um that actually um took me that whole um foundation um took me where i am today functioning at this intersection and about parallels i can briefly um say about it um I it, mean, it is if they want to know about the parallels they can buy the book yeah but absolutely <laughs> 
absolutely that's available all major booksellers have it i'm on the background here of of you well we have you here um I, you know i can pick up the book anytime daniela i just i yes. just can't um interview you all the time you're a busy lady so so you were saying that everything comes together and there's all mm -hmm. this mixing and you have found a lot of similarities between yes many mm -hmm. of, i know that you're also into norris fairies um as well yes and, yes and it's so i mean i'm interested in that kind of thing myself to find because there are a lot of sameness there's a lot of sameness mm -hmm. as i read your a fairy path your grandmother would do something and i would think oh that that ref you know yes. it's the same as over there when we we're talking conjury witchery when you mm -hmm. were going to sweep up the yes beneath the footprint i was yes. like oh there she goes i love i just have to say i love little daniela okay i just think she was the most um um you know when i was practicing something i i i was saying you know oh thank you for writing such an insightful book Danielle. but it came out as inspiteful and i thought well maybe there's something to that. <laughs> <laughs> little daniela has yes. her moments but okay we'll, we'll we'll bring this full around to the start tell us i mean i've read the book you wrote the book but just give us a brief idea of what the book is about what your growing up experience involved so um i want to use a visual because that's going to be probably um easier you know to explain it to people yeah. think of a venn diagram with several circles you know intersecting and with a fair amount of space at their intersection so that's where little daniela uh, stood at this intersection now these circles would represent the social background what Romanian society was in the early 70s. The political pressure that we were facing from a communist regime that uh, became was becoming increasingly more assertive and was tightening its grip on what people would believe and think, aside from what they say and do. Um, then it's the other circle that represents the tradition, the lore and folklore, those treasures that I grew up with, the story material and the folklore material. And then there is the other circle, that of the practicing of all these old folk beliefs that I was seeing the um, living expression of those in what my grandmother was, was doing. And then uh, yet another circle, so big intersection here, yet another circle represented by the um, Christian, which is the mainstream belief in, in Romania, it's the main religion practice in Romania, so then that's the Christian. So now think of these circles not like coming together to create a bigger space in the center, oh, how nice would have would, would have been, uh, but rather pulling increasingly farther and farther apart. So the place at their center where little Daniela was standing was getting tinier and tinier and harder and harder to balance into. And what I mean by this, now that you have the visual, uh, now what I mean by this is in a very materialistic and pragmatic society, 
not by choice at its foundation romanian culture romanian people is a deeply spiritual um people so the religious the spiritual component blend rather syncretically but these were um under pressure and threatened to be annihilated by a regime that was basically forcing pragmatism to the spiritual people and yes there was resistance my grandmother and my family i mean as you gather from the book we're like this bastion there of resistance underground <laughs> because you have to stay underground when you do these things unless you end up in jail um or in some re-education center where they teach you how to properly think right and um so it was that pressure so i had to balance how much can i say how much can i talk to other people about what i'm experiencing and seeing and loving so much at home my grandmother was torn in between the desire to teach me and have me grow in the same traditions that she grew up with but also worn by my parents and everything around us pointing in the direction that she doesn't actually can be too open about what she teaches and what she says to me because i she would know what i would say outside the house um then there is a pressure at school where they teach you about values and being honest and always speaking the truth and me realizing wait a minute if, if i really speak my truth i'm getting my family in, into big trouble so where do i fall into this so being uh, a science-oriented and logical thinking person ever since I was little, but also drawn into the spiritual, mystical, magical side of things. And on top of everything else, I was having the qualities, the, the, the second sight. And for a long time, I didn't even realize that I was the only one among my peers having that. For me, I thought that all kids can see their cats glowing green and blue and other colors. They just don't want to talk about it. And I could not understand why. <laughs> so as you gather from the book, that was um, one of my um, um, problems to solve and deal with. So this is kind of the background where that, you know, that um, it's, it's the backdrop for the action in in the book so and that's friendship i have a very good friends with a friend we actually start as as enemies and somehow there is this unifying thread of of magic that brings us together um and my grandmother is instrumental in in this not only as my grandmother uh, and a teacher but also as a healer a very empowered um and lady the, mem the member yeah. of the community um the older ladies would get together <coughs> and sort of decided what was good for the rest of you <laughs> and proceeded yes. i always i always love the the older women's stories and their and, yes and what they do and so and it wasn't even you had to be well okay we'll just use an example from the book you said you saw santa claus and you were going to be sent to a psychologist, right? Um, because yeah. this this is just so even imagination, if people want to put it down to imagination was frowned upon. Yes. 
that's where this is where the disenchantments i'm going to paraphrasing some of my my friends that we're having this discussion about enchanting and disenchanting the world and i believe this is where disenchantment begins when you start suppressing children's imagination and not so much imagination but their genuine experiences that does do not really align 100% to what a strictly materialistic and pragmatic strain of thought would would allow so um my experience um i had this this vision of a person standing in my background so that was early we're we're kind of approaching that time of the year when this happened <laughs> no no um, and that's early this the... early december so um and I'm, I'm seeing this person standing in my backyard and I, I didn't know who they were, who they could be. So my mind is seven years old, eight years old, me jumps, oh, this can only be Santa Claus. I mean, who else is around dressed in this long outfit, you know, leaning onto a staff? This must be Santa Claus. So it must, it, it was my assumption. Um, it wasn't that he said, hey, I'm Santa Claus. Um, and my assumption um, kind of set in, 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 in motion a whole chain reaction that um, that plus another um, smaller episodes that occur around being able to see things and, and talking about it too openly with others um, had the school uh, mistress, actually it was my teacher, my elementary school teacher, asked for me to have a um, psychological evaluation and sure enough they took me to the psychologist childhood psychologist to the neurologist uh, only to um, say that ev everything was fine with me and they just had this i was a very um a child with gifted with imagination and with a vocabulary way about my my you were age. A smart kid you were i was reading a lot so. <laughs> <laughs> but you still had okay at one point i thought they didn't have television but then your grandmother mentions that you're watching cartoons so yes. you did have a television you were just oh, happier doing other things so we we did have television um most of the programs that so but when when I was a child, um, like prior to age, I would say 12, 13, um, our television programs were quite rich. And it has gotten worse and worse as the communists, you know, tighten its grip and wanted to really severe what can we, like the Romanian people, not to see what was happening in the West. Because we were there living on kind of an austerity budget imposed by the by the state for a number of reasons no space to discuss those <laughs> time-wise here yeah um but what we were getting was less and less but no we we had television i mean everybody had television everybody has a had a phone in 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 their house so no that's not um uh, it's not a lack no, of just... means or um so we had television yeah yeah no and we I watching just... yeah cartoons all the um, i mean the children's series that i would say were popular even here in the states around that time so maybe they would arrive to us like a few years later mm -hmm. but we, we we still get to to see cartoons and fun things on tv yeah so you chose because you were reading as we said a lot and and you had mm -hmm. a lot of time to spy on your elders and <laughs> 
to get into shenanigans. So I thought she must not have a TV to have all this time. But you were just that those were you just kept moving. <laughs> you know, what was happening around me was so much more interesting and so much more captivating and so much more engaging than the TV could have ever been, you know. So cartoons, okay, I'll watch a rerun later on. But now I want to hear what those ladies are talking about. <laughs> Because that's... <laughs> yeah, no, no, I hear you. That it, it was interesting. So when we talk about uh, the, these powers, squishing mm -hmm. the imagination, squishing the spirituality, what do yes. you think? Why do you think they're doing that? Oh, th that's fear. That is fear that's because, uh, um, like when when people give free reins to, to imagination, they become creative. And when curiosity is unleashed and you begin digging and searching for answers, the answers that you find may clash against the interests of the governing class. So they are afraid. They are afraid that you may no longer get along and um, want to play by the music they are um, you no longer want to dance by the music they are playing to you. So that's that's the fear element. And again, to that idea of diverging circles, I mean, converging, but trying to diverge. Um, that was the problem with the, the political regime. They don't want people to dwell into this mystical fantasy space. They don't want that kind of imagination to actively being engaged. And also the mainstream religion also perceives that as a threat because imagination and free thinking and knowledge and reading, that takes you away from being railroaded into a specific way, into a specific way of um, thinking and acting. And that means they lose power over you. So it, it both, both parts have a there's only one way to live kind of thing and anybody that questions that is, is yes. going to be in trouble and you yes. questioned a lot uh, <laughs> yeah. i was in trouble you, a lot <laughs> you were under 10 throughout this entire book and these are just big concepts for someone <laughs> under 10 to to be dealing with so I'm going to ask you a little bit about the fairies involved in your in your story. But first, we're going to take a question from author Brian Griner, who wants to know, what is the difference between a fairy, elf, and gnome? Um, first of all, the difference is um, given by the culture, the cultural background in which you are evolving, in which you're placing, sorry, the, um, the notion. A fairy, gosh, we can have a whole episode on this. So fairy, the way I use it, I use it more as an umbrella term, as a catch-all term. So maybe nom and elf or alf would fit under the umbrella, larger, broader umbrella of fairy. However, the word fairy um, has come into the English language being borrowed from French, you know, 1066 Battle of Hastings, you have William the Conqueror, and then you have Norman into England, and the, the languages begin to influence each other. So we have the word fairy, fay, fay, coming to replace the word elf, alf, that was in use 
in that farther out west side of the world. So primarily elf and alf were used there. Then Ferry comes in with the French language and substitutes it. There's a number of reasons for this to happen, not just linguistically. There was the belief that calling the elves by their name elves um, gets their attention in unwanted ways. So people start using fairies as, as a cover-up, if you will. Like we would use euphemisms today in Romania in reference to zâne, which word translates as fairy. Um, and we don't really refer to them as dune, but rather yele, which is them in third person. So this is like super, super surface level. Now within each culture, fairies are of different kinds. It's like referring to the birds population in the United States. If you say bird living in the United States, you're not sure whether you're talking about a vulture or a hummingbird, or a sparrow, or a duck. So they're all birds. When you say fairy, or fairy beings, in reference to one culture, you're describing basically a population of otherworldly being vast, with, with a vast array in their variety. So if you're going to talk about gnomes, um, that's um, probably something more oftenly encountered in the Anglosphere. But today, with the communication and information and contact cross-cultural, uh, as much as we have it, you can find gnomes in the United States. So wherever people travel, they travel with their fairy lore. So you have fairies no longer isolated to the um, English language speaking cultures, but you have fairy-like beings in other cultures as well. And of course, if you want to talk about those beings in English, you're gonna use the word fairy for everybody to understand what you're talking about. In terms of physical characteristics, go into each culture that uses um, the specific name. So where gnome is mostly used, um, there might be sent you know, to more like Victorian era, um, so pointing toward Earth-related type of fairy being. If you go to fairy again, look into the cultures that use fairy less generically and more specifically. This may take you to England, may take you to um, Ireland, where you have the ASC. It's translated as fairy. And if you go to Romania, again, you're going to have at least um, a couple of uh, beings that fell under this um, generic description of fairies, but they're unique in their um, qualities. So and I hope this answered the question. I think you did a fine job answering the question. And the qualities themselves, as you said in the book, will reflect the people and their mm -hmm. lives and their needs. Very much. So, so within, hi Tamara, how are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Susan, we'll get to your question in just a minute because it it, it comes with the process. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a falling out at the end of the book with your fairy. And the first thing I wanna question, ask you about your fairy is, now you, you met, different fairies in different ways mm -hmm. do you think they were all your fairy or do you think there was several fairies involved in your youth 
Oh, I'm pretty. I'm I'm pretty sure at this point. At, at this point, I'm pretty sure I've always been that there's several. So and there were of different types. So much so that at some point, my own grandmother. I mean, I saw the fairy beings. I had glimpses at the fairy beings that my own grandmother, as a fairy seer, was interacted with, uh, was interacting with, and working with. But when describing um, some of my own experiences to her, I got the looks and it's, and and she said, well, that is certainly a fairy that you are describing, but I don't know what kind of fairy it is because that's certainly not of the ones, not from among the ones that I am in partnership with. So there were different kinds of fairies there. And later in life, much later in life, um, I was led to know and built back the bridges that I was so good at burning, <laughs> as you remember. <laughs> oh, this kid carried matches. What are we saying? <laughs> <laughs> matches and gasoline with me all the time. It's like, here is another bridge burning. <laughs> but you had to be strong. So did when how old were you when you when you were able to reunite with the fairies? Um, so our reunion, <laughs> this sounds almost like high school reunion or college <laughs> reunion was like 20 years later. <laughs> we so had our 20 years reunion. Yes. And did your mm -hmm. original fairy come back? Yes. The one, the one. And, <laughs> and, got my answer. Uh, yes. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, yes. Happy happy 25th year reunion or something like that. Yes. Yes, because as I pointed out in while we were emailing this, I just wanted you to sit down and say the rest of your story, like after reading that segment of it. Mm. Just like, so, so and, and when did you come to the States? Okay, so I came to the States 22 years ago. I came, to, yeah, 22 okay. years ago. And, um, yeah, I came here as a transfer student to finish my education. And that opened the floodgates for my spiritual life to roll on forwards the way it does now. So, Fantastic. Um, so it was actually a positive move in that way. Absolutely. Uh, it, it was a very positive move. Um, and let me explain why, because you might be wondering, wait a minute, you're coming from that magic land where, you know, fairy pop into people's gardens and steamroll into people's yes. life. And what's, what's, what's such a big thing of coming here? And now you separated from that, but, but you found them here. Yeah, I was about to say separated. I wouldn't call it that way. Well, <laughs> uh, for a number, of, uh, for a number of reasons, um, all of them pertinent to the book and to our discussion. Yeah. yeah. So. I would say that coming here was a very good thing um, because coming here gave me access to information that I did not have back then where I was. Um, coming here, as I said, I, I came in as a transfer student and having access, unlimited access to the internet and being able to get into groups and join people with the same kind of experiences and with the same kind of interests that I have was so much easier. And then the libraries, when I saw the library, the college where I came to finish my studies at Tulane. So when I went into Tulane University Library, I was like, oh, 
struck and spends most of my days inside there. So, uh, and I could read all the history and all the lore and a lot of the folklore that I was, and finally I was finding answers um, to the questions that, that I had. And then still being, I mean, because of being here, um, I had access to conferences and, and um, to work of authors that later became my my teachers. So, and those helped me basically settle on the path that I always wanted to be. I didn't know exactly how to get myself onto that path, a place where the mystical and the metaphysical marries the logic um, and the science, um, because I'm, I, I, I don't like the take that's devoid of either. So I like this, this marriage no, of, that's under, yeah, no, of that's, both. That's, that's completely so, understandable. So it's the openness and free information that, yes. that helped that was, that was not available to you before. And, and, and community, I mean, being able to, to get together with, you know, like, um, you're allowed on, to on name a names. Facebook group. Yes. <laughs> Name. Morgan, <laughs> Morgan Daimler. So yes. Morgan Daimler was the, like she's uh, they're amazing in their work and study and scholarship, and they also write fantasy. And I so like their take on fantasy I, because it's really close to. They have this book Into the Shadows, and it's like yes. really close to. And then um, Cat Heat um, or Seo Helruna, uh, who uh, again writes on Norse um on the Norse traditions and on you know working with with elves where it's kind of where I am at right now so very much drawn toward working with with the alpha with with the elves myself so yeah these are like two prominent um people in in my life yeah we've had we've talked to Morgan a couple of times here <laughs> on Fika and it's always that amazing yes Okay, so there were experiences where your grandmother said um, you need to stay away from yes. um, um, that mm -hmm. fairy. And Susan would like to know, what is the origin of, or origin of mischievous or malicious fairies? Why, I believe, is, is mm -hmm. why are there malicious fairies <laughs> or mischievous ones, however you want to look at it? Um, when I look at fairy nature... Um, so first of all, my take on things comes from an animistic perspective, which means that everything around me has a consciousness. Beings other than human uh, have their own personalities. And when we talk about otherworldly beings, they also have their own agenda, which means that they're not subservient to people. They're not out there to make our life people's life more comfortable. And while there is a um, synergy, so they, they get things from us and we get things or learn things from them, there is also sometimes competition. And with people encroaching their places, barging into their homes, talking about them disrespectfully, um, <laughs> that kind of explain where the less benevolent strike um, on of, of, of fairies um, streak of fairies come, but there's also something ingrained within um, 
the nature of some of them. So they're not necessarily malvolent. Uh, malvolent. Think of sharks, okay? They're neither good nor bad. There are no, people who go and swim. They just go and swim with sharks. But it's not to say it's not to be said that everyone who dives into the ocean, hello sharks, I'm over here. Come, I want to swim together. So things need to be done in a certain <laughs> yeah, that's so this is how people approach ferries nowadays. Oh, that's a ferry ring, I'm gonna go hop into it, and then all kinds of things begin to happen in your life, and you don't know why, because you love ferries. So um part of the fairy mischief is that's their nature what they they what they do is what they do what they're programmed if you will to do what's ingrained in them to do they express their fairiness in that way and sometimes this mischief comes from humans being disrespectful and not even intentionally disrespectful simply not knowing and taking their knowledge about fairies just from fantasy books um, and those, you know, Victorian era kind of uh, books and literature that depict fairies as all sweet, all benevolent, completely harmless, very cute. I'm not saying that there are no such fairies because probably are people saw them that way, but not all of them are like this. So I can tell you how the Romanian and the she are. Well, for the example, we always say when things go a little off um, mm -hmm. when we're discussing fairies on the show, that it is fairies. But I just see yes. it as them being impatient. Come on, discuss us. Like, we're here. We know what's going on. Like, we want to be a part of this. We want people. So yes. it's it's just like anybody that gets excited to be involved. Mm -hmm. And 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 we are talking about them. So they want to make sure that it's done. You know, yes. A reminder, we're listening. Um, so I want you to say on, um, about this. Um, sometimes you get these these kind of malfunction, you know, like we we had today. I, I never had it before, you know. Or it's very very rarely when when this happened, and it's not oh I want you to stop doing this. It's more like hey we are real and we're getting your attention, right. and just be careful how you present. Make sure you really shed light because you're here to educate, to inform, to help build a bridge, a healthy bridge in between, um, you know, our world and yours kind of thing. So yeah, bring balance. Well, as you said, with the technology, the ability to bring the two worlds together mm -hmm. are, are, is, is much more accessible and probably time. Like when we think about yes. nature and what needs to be done and, and, and climate and things. Okay. <clears throat> Brian would like to know, are fairies long-lived? I would expect their lifespans would affect how they view and interact with humans. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's, that's a really, really good point because fairy beings, they have unfathomable um, long lives, lifespans. So that when I learned about it, that is when it made sense to me for my fairy a uh, friend, my fairy guide, to reconnect with me after 20 years-ish. Uh, because what was 20 years for me, for them, it was like, oh, nothing at all. It's like, you know, we had like a little argument an hour ago and now I'm coming back to, um, you know, see if you still want to play with me or talk to me. So time runs differently in fairy. And if in, in within our audience there are probably 
uh, many who journey, who meditate, and you may probably have are familiar with the experience where you sit down and you believe that you've sat down for five minutes. And when you look at the time, you realize that it's been an hour or more or the other way around. Oh, that felt so long. And you're actually steeped in your meditation for only a few minutes. Yet you had such a profound uh, experience that felt lasting like forever so time is a relative concept it's certainly not a unifying thread in between our world and theirs um on the ferry side and this is something that i um had a chance to cross validate with what other people experienced um ferries tend to be ahead in certain ways like um modalities of affecting healing or manifestation and when they come and they they help and you, they they give you that little energetic boost that whatever kind of work you're doing increases doubles its effectiveness on the other hand they also like things from the world of humans because we seem to be a little bit quicker at um technology developing this kind of technology they probably there don't need it so much this is why That's they're not really thinking. bent on yeah it's, it's like why do i need zoom when i can you know bilocate or multi-locate if you're something like deity size i can multi-locate i can be in the same place at different times and talk with five people in the same time i don't need zoom and conference mode you know so yes they certainly know a whole lot more than we do um because they've been around for far longer than we do so more like thousands of years lifespan compared to <clears throat> two digits occasionally three digits <laughs> on our side well, never getting too far i <laughs> think that's <laughs> important when communicating with them to remember that if you're asking about something happening or whatever the time frame is not going to be recognized that you're giving them so yes. it's not mm -hmm. like um that that's something that that you have to look into a little more okay tamira yes. said we have fairies here as well she then later said stupid spell check but <laughs> <laughs> because it didn't come out right <laughs> um, but um I, I was going to mention that yes in canada we do i mean everybody oh, does but we have the native indigenous um, um absolutely fairies, and they're i know out east they're called little people and from the micmac legends and i just i i have said from the beginning of the show i would love to get a native storyteller on to talk about that with us that, because i feel they need to to share that uh, themselves yes. so if you're out there like give me a call um send me an email the information is out there go to facebook Fiki with Fiki, and let me know because i do want to um talk about them as well that would be wonderful so canada has an extremely uh, rich fairy lore folklore i did a little bit of research for me uh barbara rietti uh stands out um uh, with strange terrain this is her book warmly recommended it, it speaks oh yes i have you yeah. actually in reading strange terrain there were experiences there that some children had in newfoundland and in reading i was like oh my gosh that's exactly my encounter with one of the encounters with mm -hmm. uh with the fairy that was trying to lure lure me to take me away 
you know, to follow her into into the woods. Yeah, so I had one of those things happening, and it's in the book. <laughs> and um, Tamara is also saying, as you pointed out, because fairies are wild, they are not of the world where we have bad and good. There, there isn't really any mischievous or whatever to them. It's just yeah. the action that they have. Yes, it's, it's mm -hmm. not labeled. Um, so, so we went through all the comments. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going through time too. <laughs> um, so you came back. We now before when we I call it the green room when we were in the green room earlier. You were talking about writing, writing a fairy path. Yes, and and I was saying like you know it it was a very emotional book. Like I said, it took a piece of my heart to think about this little girl in this place under 10 dealing with all of these circles as you put it. Um so do you want to tell us a little bit about what writing it was like? Yeah, the book uh thank you. <laughs> the mm -hmm. book um covers actually a time span since I was about seven and a half, eight until I'm like 10, slightly around, you know, 10 years of age. Um and a lot of it has never been processed. A lot of the experiences um, we had run-ins with uh, with the um, security forces, with those who are in charge with policing what people think and believe and speak about. So we had run-ins with it. Me at age nine, I had my run-in with them. Well, they came and, to your house. Yes, when they came came to my house and how that interview. Um, went on so it was that and that wasn't stuff that i could talk about not even with my parents i mean that happened think of the past we don't even mention it you don't know who's listening you don't know your, your house may be bugged there might be so no we don't talk about it so there are there's a lot that had to stay bottled up for years many years and i finally found my way, found my path, read Morgan, read Cat Heath, um, found my voice, realized that I'm not alone, read Barbara Rieti, found my voice, realized that I'm not alone in having such experiences and that's nothing, it's not a crime, you know, to 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 speak about them, to, to share about them and to own them ultimately. So in writing that book, um, I felt every bit of everything as it was happening again uh both the the thrills or mostly like the thrill and and the bliss of being in that incredible space with my grandmother with her friends those witchy ladies and doing all the magic work which i oftentimes it was like eavesdropping on you know just peeking through the keyhole uh, more than actually being a part of it. So experiencing again all the thrill and the magic that I was so, so blessed to have in my childhood, but also the harshness of that reality that um, you have the dream, but then you have to shelter the dream or you have to hide it so nobody can can steal your dream. Nobody can, you know, um, damage your dream. So uh, it was cathartic when I was uh, rewriting and revisiting the encounter with, uh, you know, the security, the police guy, um, it, I, I almost got, it's something that I didn't put in the book, like the physical state that I was in for the next three days, or four days and the nightmares that I had like, like weeks after. Um, and again, you cannot talk, so there's no 
where to go and hey, can you help me process that? So the processing actually happened when I wrote the book. And it was easier in a sense because as an adult, you can take things that you cannot really take when you're just nine or you have a different way of taking them. So that was very healing. And while I was writing the book, my interaction with the fairy beings around me that also shifted in new directions and I had more clarity of, of, of interaction. And something here that I will disclose in absolute premiere, never talked about this ever on any oh, channel Fika before. Oh, exclusive. Okay, okay. we're all exclusive. So um, I, I came, you know, to the first, you know by now, uh, Vicky, that the book has kind of two finals. So right. I came to the first final and it was like, this cannot be it. So that's the sense of emptiness. And then a number of things happen and they are reflected in the the epilogue, like the last final that tells a lot uh, of how do I see my path right now and what is my relationship to fairy right. beings right now and kind of building bridges that I burned. And <laughs> yeah, and, so that's uh, the key you were, there. Uh, you were, you were, I do you think you would have gotten through that, that, that time? I mean, it was a very, without um, that time, without the fairies and that spirituality and that and your grandmother do you think uh, on one hand you had to hide who you were but mm -hmm. who you were I think gave you extra strength yes so uh this is why um and this is not covered in the book it wasn't relevant to the topic really um but when I when I turned my back at some point I willfully dissociated I did not know that there's gonna come one day when I will move across the ocean or just move into another culture where all this will be accepted and I can be who I am and do so for survival purposes and I was uh, you know 11 12 you hit the teenagers you want to fit you want to be part of your you know one right, with your right. peers and it was a constant struggle in between wanting to be me and wanting to fit and actually have friends with whom I can have normal conversations. I mean, normal by their standards. So, and this was a struggle for um, many years, many years until we had changes happening in our country there. And, uh, but by, by then I was, I was like lost. I didn't, there were years when I didn't know who I am. So, um, well, you yeah. had to be someone else for your own safety I had for to. so long, you know, so I had to. That, that that just would come with that territory, I would think. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I got lost. I didn't know who I am. And then when I had the freedom to be who I want to be, I forgot how to be who I was, you know. Um, I know it sounds complicated, but sometimes you forget yeah no you it's very straightforward yeah no yeah with with the experiences that you had you had to cover and and wear a mask for so many years that yeah you know, taking that off leaves you with you don't know how the, the the feeling you know how how is it to be without a mask and then fortunately it's like okay this is what it is and the time i decided to take the mask off was prompted by um fairy intervention so uh, I got this, 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 these nudges, if you will, and they reminded, hey, oh yeah, yeah, they they reminded, now you're in the place and the states where of mind and 
whatever you know psychological emotional you're in this really good state and you can honor your contract and i'm like contract what are you talking about so i was here and this is the romanian ferries this is why i was like eh, not really left them behind <laughs> so these are the romanian ferries with whom i had the interactions before and they're like yeah you wrote a rain check to us and then i went back to the book and i realized that i did actually write a rain check to them and i had to honor that rain check which resulted in like three books um, so <laughs> yes because we have another one coming out in the yes. summer right is it this uh, summer or next uh, no it's it's 2024 so in 2024 um there will be the um fairy herbs for fairy magic the right, third right. book and, and actually yeah. a fairy path hasn't come out yet but i've read it so i just feel like <laughs> and i'm talking so there's yes. two new books there's two new books coming out and at the end of a fairy path we have daniela's little book of magic that she wrote as a child and had to well you'll you'll read that in the book but yes that she wrote as a child so we, she didn't have a physical so how difficult was it to remember those things to put back mm -hmm. in there so i i needed a lot of fairy help seriously i needed a lot of fairy help to reconstruct those and it was like making a lot of offerings also and invoking my grandmother and her memory like her guidance to help me reconstruct so just a little bit for uh the listeners to know where this fits with the rest of the book uh when i was little um i was trying to record everything that i was hearing about magic and spells and what my grandmother and her friends were doing and try to have them together the word grimoire didn't exist for me i didn't know such word exists and that people actually write these things but and also had a wand by the way i still have the wand believe it or not that black oh, wand. fantastic i don't have it here with me but i do have it it's on my altar so um with that so the the book the notebook i started to write them in a notebook which got confiscated by my parents at some point and then i had to reconstruct it for from memory and in rewriting and remembering those things they kind of um stayed with me um but then in moving and changing places and locations and houses that little booklet which i called daniela's little book of magic i love it i love it in, in black <laughs> ink i wrote on it so <laughs> that got lost and now all of a sudden at the end of the book um through the book i'm actually describing and detailing yes. some spells and ritual the way my grandmother was doing it the way i saw it done by another medicine woman the way i participated in it but then at the very end of the book i decided to give like this little chapter with practical implementation of you know magical uh tidbits that i grew up with and um obviously it's not an accurate rewriting of of what the nine years old and the ten years yeah, old no, put no, on no, paper no, no. back then so it's it has just prepared to, to to get this to i mean to be presented with this it has the um patina and the flavor of everything that i learned in the meantime but the core the essence is there so that's little daniela presenting you with <laughs> things that but she was doing as a child there's a lot of stuff in there like i mentioned and i mentioned um you 
your grandmother used a combination of maple and yes. um, dogwood and hazel. And hazel, my favorite woods. But it was just very interesting for me because because maple is. I also like holly and oak and. <laughs> I'm not checking it, but um, maple you don't hear in a lot of 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 these things when you read them from. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just it was just interesting. And did she ever mention why what the symbolism of the maple was? She didn't ever give you any any direction. I'm going to I because I was just like, and also using like snow, like very folk yes. music and music, yes. very folk magic and using. <laughs> What was there? Um, Daniela, we're running. We're <laughs> Tamara says she's definitely buying your books. Um, <laughs> Brian has more questions. Are fairies always among us or does their interest in the human world get more or less over the years? Uh, I think their interest in the human world is um, getting more. And that's very nice because human interest into their world is also getting more. So I'm very happy to see this uh, more recent years, this kind of revival and, and interest into, into going back and reconnecting with, with um, Ferry. So yes, I believe that to be true. I think they're around us. And this is not because I said it or that's my experience. If you go and read Irish folklore and folklore from Romania or um, also, you know, Nordic, Norse, Germanic folklore. Everybody says, talk respectfully about them because they may be around and you may not see them. Meaning that they can be, you know, make themselves visible and invisible, different degrees of corporeality there. Um, but they can certainly be around. So talk respectfully because you never know who's listening. Yes, no, I'm... I'm <laughs> It's always like, but I'm not directing that towards you, fairies. You know, that's yes, just exactly. such a general so, no. world opinion. Yes. <laughs> um, um, Brian, okay, I'm 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 gonna close the comments off after these next two. Brian also asked, do okay, you mentioned an altar. He would like to know yes. if fairies request worship for humans or are they simply uh, treating us as neighbors or even friends? Well, you have an altar because you're a witch more than a fairy witch right yeah so i'm 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 a heathen so um <laughs> so um so there's there's a place there um i so my altar is my centering focus focal point so it's a place where i'd like to go and i know that it's it's reserved for connection and interaction with it's a place where i can leave this world behind and fully connect with the other that's the best way to put it. And there are different things there, you know, that represents my beliefs and what I think I want to connect with. So um, in terms of, um, so can you repeat the question again for me? Do fairies want, require um, worship? Oh, worship. I got it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like worship in the same as you would worship a deity because that already uh, attributes fairies a, a different status my personal view of them and the way they appear like from um irish and uh, north germanic sources they um are very powerful beings uh the degree of power within their fairy societies also um ranks varies not everybody's equally powerful but they are definitely powerful than humans would be in terms of magical um, you know, manifesting illness and health bestowing abilities. 
So it's not necessarily worship. Um, if this kind of comes across the grain with anybody being told, well, you only worship gods, you don't have to worship fairies. They uh, expect respect. And yeah. like, if you want a relationship that's friendship, then you have to treat them as such. If I want, if I'm buying flowers for my neighbors on, on, on her birthday, it doesn't mean that I'm worshiping my neighbor. It means that I'm buying flowers and I'm acknowledging my neighbor uh, on her birthday. And the fact that I'm inviting people over and serve them food, it doesn't mean that I worship them. It means that I'm a good host and I'm providing the best for the people that I'm I'm inviting over. So with the fairies is the same um, thing. Don't get into, piece of advice here if I may, don't get into, don't dive into relationships. Uh, give enough time to know whom you're seeking to interact with. Read the lore that is pertinent to the areas and the types of beings that you're seeking to connect with. Learn about offerings that come across every single culture, make offerings to the fairies. And yes, you can have friendship, very friendly relationships going on. And the fact that you make friends with some fairies doesn't mean that you're going to make friends with all the fairies. If you're going to look into Irish lore particularly, you will see big fights and um, enmities within, uh, within, within, between groups of fairy beings. That so actually, that lasts for years. Again, think of time, the way it goes over there. And you actually being in the good graces of a certain fairy king or queen or group of fairies may put you in direct enmity uh, with, with, with the others. So tread carefully there. Happened to me, so. Oh, that's a whole nother. Okay, this is the thing. Brian, I would like to say it's just like me. You don't have to worship me. You just have to respect me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. So, um, so anyways, Daniela. Okay, once again, nothing yes, answered and our hour is is done. We're done. Can you come back sometime? Anytime. <laughs> Okay, okay, we'll just we'll, we'll we'll discuss that. So I have to say goodbye for now. <laughs> I told you there's Absolutely. so much to talk about. I can't I can't fit it in. And um and you take care and we'll arrange a date because there's a lot of questions and people are gonna read these books, right? And then we'll be able to discuss them more. Um Absolutely. Tamara. Tamara says thank you. Thank um, you so oh, much. Robin Robin Sims also says thank you, Vicky and Daniela. So um, he it was very interesting, and so you take care. Write more. I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the herbs and that to come out, and I still have so many questions about the parallels and that. So maybe we can concentrate more on that next time. Sure. <laughs> the fairies sure. themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Take care. Bye bye. So we'll get Daniela back and we'll be able to ask her some more questions and hear more about um, the fairies in her life and the fairies that she has studied. Next week, we're going to have um, author MJ Moores and we'll be discussing her new series, The White Ravens. Uh, um, the White Ravens and first book, The Hollow Kiss. We'll also be discussing editing because she has worked as an editor both freelance and as <clears throat> and as for small presses. Until then, 
May your coffee be hot and your story sweet. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm-hmm.